Hello and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey. Good to have you with us. We, uh, this month of September, are looking in our Friday series at the hard sayings of Jesus. There are statements that Jesus made that were difficult, difficult for the people then, difficult for us. And our first lesson in this series, we talked about when Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Then in our segment last week, we went to Luke 14, where three times Jesus identified who could not be his disciple. Now, these are on our uh, podcast family, and we would encourage you to go back and listen to this series as we kind of keep going on. But today we go to John chapter 6, and in this section, we're actually going to find this saying, a hard saying. So let's let's go back and talk about this, Jason, and then we'll see where we're going. Yeah, John chapter 6 begins, of course, with one of Jesus' most famous miracles. He feeds more than 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two fish. As you can imagine, that draws quite a bit of attention. In verse 16, we've got a little bit of a time marker. That evening is when Jesus walks on the water. There's plenty to talk about there. Verse 22 of John 6 begins describing the next day. So we are the day after Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And of course, there is this enormous crowd that follows Jesus around to the other side of the sea. And Jesus, in many ways, exposes their motives for traveling to the other side. In verse 26, when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, a powerful way in the Gospels of reminding us the point of these miracles, they were signs pointing to Jesus, not just so that people would enjoy the amazing signs, right? The signs are pointing to the one they need to listen to. You're following me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And he begins challenging them. You need to work not for the food that perishes. This is about so much more than feeding your bellies. I'm calling you to follow me so that I can feed your hearts and your souls. It's a long chapter. We won't take the time to read it all. I want to pick Jesus's message up in verse 48, where he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Okay, so this is about more than physical bread. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now, this is where the saying begins to get hard. Jesus says, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. John pipes in and says, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus doesn't back down. In fact, he he ramps it up. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died, Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Roger, in verse 60, this is where many of the disciples heard it and said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So four times in in this section and just a little bit before where Jason started, Jesus calls himself the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread of life. And multiple times, he says, you shall eat my flesh and drink my blood. This has led some uh, long ago to think that the early Christians were cannibals, and they were eating literal flesh. Um, Others have looked at this and said, well, he's talking about the Lord's Supper. And on, on Sundays when we have the Lord's Supper, the bread represents his body, the juice, his blood. And so what's he driving at here, Jason? Yeah, well, I I am greatly helped, and I think we're all greatly helped by, first of all, his reminding us of the manna that fell from heaven in the wilderness. It takes us all the way back to the era of Moses, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There was something provided by God that these people could not provide for themselves. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at by repeatedly referring to himself as the bread of life. It is as if he is communicating to all of us, listen, you are starving and you don't even know it. You are starving to death spiritually, but God has provided what you need for life. He's not talking about keeping our hearts pumping and brain waves active inside of our skulls. He's talking about that. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, it reminds us uh, in the Beatitudes where it said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's not talking about his literal body here. He, he did not intend anybody to go up and start chewing on his arm or anything. He wasn't talking about his literal blood, which he would later uh, shed for all of us. But what he's talking about is, is the totality of Christianity. He's talking about getting into and, and getting what God wanted the people to see. And as you said, they didn't realize that they were starving spiritually. They didn't realize that they did not have this relationship with God as it should have been. So when they say in verse 60, they heard this statement. It was a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? His own disciples grumbled at this in verse 61 and said to him, 
Does this cause you to stumble? Jesus asked him that. Are you stumbling because of this statement? The concept of this is that we had to embrace Jesus. We had to let Jesus be in us. We had to follow Jesus. Uh, the, the, you know, the Bible talks about expressions like clothe yourselves with Christ or being in Christ. It's this idea of following Jesus completely. This crowd, this massive crowd came for a free meal. That's all they were interested in. And once their bellies were filled, they didn't need anything else. What they missed was they, they did not have eternal life. They did not have salvation. That's what Jesus came to offer them. Well, and I, I think a key phrase is there in verse 51, I will give my life for the world. Uh, this early on in John's gospel, we haven't run across all that much language like that, right? And especially over here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, nobody at this point is thinking about Jesus, if he really is who he claims to be, losing his life, right? It is an early indication of, listen, this flesh is going to be crucified. This blood is going to be shed. The other marker that is enormously helpful to me is verse 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. We will hear similar language in John's gospel, of course, John chapter 14, where Jesus talks about the idea of a a home, right? That if you abide in me, I and my Father will come and we will make our home with you. You can make your home with us. So you, if you wanted to teach an audience, listen, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot in this Friday series about total commitment. If you wanted to help someone understand what it means to abide in me, I'm not sure you could Use two analogies more powerful than, let's say, a house. Okay, you, you, you are going to move into a house and you're going to abide there. Make me your house. Make me your dwelling place. And if you do, I will abide with you. But also the idea of, of eating something, right? Drinking something. You understand that as you eat and you drink, especially with the day before on your mind, this miraculous feeding of the 5,000. What, what greater analogy could you use of, I, I'm not just looking for outward signs of religiosity. I want all of you. I want to be inside of you. I want you to be inside of me. This is the language of total Commitment. You know, we we have a saying that we use that you know you are what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know in the book of Revelation and also I think borrowed from one of the prophets, uh, the the apostle John was told to eat a scroll. Ezekiel was told the same thing. Same thing. And you know it, it would be sweet to the taste but bitter to the stomach. Uh, the idea of eating eating the scroll, the idea of eating the flesh of Jesus. It's it's the idea that it's in me now. And it's no longer I who live, Paul would say in Galatians. Christ 
lives in me. That's the concept Jesus was trying to get across to these this multitude here. Uh, you follow me because of the good things I've given you. Will you follow me because what I'm really about? And that's about the salvation of your souls. And so the idea of eating Jesus, consuming his flesh and drinking his blood, not cannibalism, not this kind of a weird take on those things, but what it's about is getting the message of Jesus in me. I'm going to be completely uh, totally committed to what Christ is all about. Yeah, he says in verse 63, a little later on, after we had stopped reading, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The problem these people had was they're looking for more fish sandwiches. Jesus used that as a sign to point to the words that he has spoken. If we will imbibe his words, if we will take him seriously when he quotes Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God this is what can make our spirits come alive. If it's just about food, well, I I have satisfied my hunger for a little while, and then my heart hasn't been changed, my spirit is not kindled, but his words. If we, you, you quoted earlier the Sermon on the Mount, will hunger and thirst for righteousness Jesus can make us come alive the way we read about all over John's gospel. So staying with this story here, we come to verse 66. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Uh, That was a hard saying that Jesus said. And it was more than what they wanted. Uh, all they wanted was a free meal. And when Jesus wasn't going to give them a free meal, Jesus was going to give himself. They didn't want that. And so they withdrew. No longer would they be disciples. No longer would they follow the master. And they would go home hungry, go home empty on the inside, and go home without hope of heaven. And so that that shows you how difficult this saying was, so difficult that some just could not come to what Jesus was requiring here. Yeah, I mean, we start in the chapter with great crowds, and by the time we reach verse 66, it's Jesus and the twelve. And he says to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? How thankful we ought to be for verse 68, where Simon Peter speaks up and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. Simon, I mean, we're we're hard on Peter off and on. There are many times that Peter sticks his foot in his mouth, many times that he's rash in what he says, but on this occasion, Peter gets it. It's not about the bread. It's not about the fish. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's what the sign from the day before was really pointing to. And and when he when Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go to go to heaven? If it's not you, there's no one. Where are we going to go for forgiveness? If it's not you... There's no one. Where are we going to go for hope? If it's not you, there's no one. So Peter realized that that Jesus was the answer. 
And as that multitude just kind of thinned out and walked away, how disappointed the Lord must have been in seeing all that, realizing that you're going home empty. You're going home to nothing. You're going home to hopelessness. I have it all right here, but it's not what you want. Yeah. Uh, Roger, you mentioned at the top of the episode, and I, I do think it is fascinating for us to I mean, spend a little bit of time in John chapter 6, recognize this is a hard saying, and maybe this is not the way that we would have talked if we were the ones trying to get the point across, but it will be very shortly after this that Jesus in an upper room with these men takes bread and says, this is my body. He takes fruit of the vine and says, this is my blood, blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There might be things in John chapter six that make us scratch our head a little. And well, I'm not sure I would have said it this way, but we know this figure is on the mind of Jesus. And what he is ultimately drawing attention to is, I am giving this body, I am shedding this blood for you and for the forgiveness of your sins. And we need to appreciate and understand that just taking the Lord's Supper alone does not give us eternal life. It's Jesus who gives us the eternal life. Yes. And so the, the message here in John 6 is, is beyond the Lord's Supper. It's really Jesus himself. And it's understanding that it was that sacrifice, it was that offering that allows us to be able to go to heaven. So that, that's the driving point through all of this. Some people didn't get it. Some people didn't want to get it, just as it is today. But for those of us that do, what, what a powerful, powerful statement it is. What a powerful life he offers us. What a powerful way to live when we understand that it's not my life anymore, it's Jesus, and that he lives in me. What a wonderful, wonderful relationship we have with him. And how thankful we ought to be that we have these words of life, right? We're on the doorstep of the weekend, lots of ways to spend the weekend, none better than spending time in the words of life. As Jesus himself would say two chapters later, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Hard sayings of Jesus, they can be difficult to wade into, but as we do a little bit of digging We hope that they have helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Thanks for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you are heaven bound and the best is yet to come.